0: First Time Feelings is a monthly podcast hosted by two Melbourne women exploring universal human experiences via micro-narratives based on first-time feelings. Whether it be shame, guilt, longing, anxiety or lust, each anecdote is an honest, witty and relatable vignette that taps into the messy human journey we're all on. Naming and reclaiming emotion one feeling at a time. Hello and welcome to Episode 6 of First Time Feelings, a podcast dedicated to unravelling the significance behind emotions felt for the very first time. First experiences are unforgettable, and the experiences that generate an emotion for the first time are even more so. My name is Crystal, and this is Ruth. Hi. And these are the stories of our first time feelings for your
1: listening pleasure. Today's episode takes us into the complicated first time feeling of power. Power is a heady and intoxicating brew, and wielding it responsibly is another story altogether. As young girls, we are so often positioned to be powerless, so we locate authority in shock value, rebellion, and subversion, whether it's swearing, stealing, or doling out sweet, sweet revenge. So if you're easily offended by four-letter words and or girlish sadism, you may want to reconsider listening to this episode.
0: A four-letter day. Do you remember the first time you felt free? The first time that you realised that while external factors like your parents, teachers, money, the fact that you're a 10-year-old child and don't have a licence to do, well, anything, doesn't mean you don't have any control? I do. I remember distinctly. I was sitting in the backyard of my best friend Grace Mackenzie's house in East Maylands, WA, under the lemon tree. I remember it was springtime, as the tree was full of lemons, but they were still firmly attached to the branches. At the start of their journey, new growth, new life, the future brimming with possibility as they fought for the best spot amongst the leaves to soak up that precious sunlight. Grace and I were bored. Or maybe bored wasn't the right word. We were restless. It was merely another Saturday afternoon at Grace's house, doing what we do most weekends, hanging out aimlessly, no agenda. As far as kids go, Grace and I were fairly well behaved. We got good grades, we didn't steal things, we predominantly did what our parents told us. But when we got together, we had the tendency, as most 10-year-old girls do, to get rather silly. Lately at school, we'd been hearing some of the actual badass kids starting to swear. We were curious, and they perplexed us. Residing in the far-off corners of the bitumen court at lunchtimes, we'd hear snippets of their vulgar conversations, and we wondered what they were talking about. We could, of course, ask, but our social circles precluded us from doing so. As we talked to each other about this new foreign concept of swearing and its increasing presence on the playground, Grace said the most peculiar thing to me. You know, we could just try it. Try what? I retorted swearing she exclaimed fuck we can do that my hand shot up to my mouth instantly you did it grace screamed at me oh my god i just did should i stop i answered no way it's done now i want to try she paused for a second anticipating the moment before everything would change forever i can fucking swear and no one can stop me she said slowly eyes lighting up with glee fuck 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 i yelled at the top of my lungs Kate, Grace's mom, was somewhere at the front of the house, and I was confident she couldn't hear us in our newfound pastime. What will our parents think of us doing this? Grace suddenly whispered to me. It actually doesn't fucking matter, I whispered back to her. We just won't say it in front of them. By this point, we had worked ourselves up into a point of near hysteria, drunk on the power of our new discovery. This word is amazing, I yelled. And while at the time I wasn't completely solid on the differences between adjectives, verbs, nouns, and adverbs, my 10-year-old eyes lit up when I realized the magnanimous versatility of this one four-letter word. This word is the best. You can use it when you're angry, when you think something is cool, when you hate something, or if someone has done something wrong. You can use it in like a million ways. And it even refers to I trailed off. We'd only just started our sex ed classes at school, and I wasn't quite sure about that last 20 minutes of blatant misbehaving that I wanted to bring another taboo subject into the equation. Ha ha, I know what you were going to say, teased Grace as she got up and then did a handstand letting out a huge fuck as she did it. I followed suit, then got up and started running around looking at everything around me and telling it, I fucking loved it. I fucking love you, pot plant! I fucking love you, sky. I fucking love you, you dumb, big, stupid fucking tree! I continued to do this for a good 15 minutes, until I was utterly exhausted and fell to the ground with a stitch. My heart was beating and my mind was racing at a million miles an hour at the possibilities. This was exhilarating. I felt like I'd done something wrong, but there was no consequence, no victim, no repercussions. I started laughing. A newfound power coursing through my veins. I knew it couldn't be abused. I knew I had to reserve this special power for the right occasions. But my mind was already ticking over. And while I knew I couldn't swear in front of just anyone, I'd have to pick my audience. No one could stop me from thinking swear words. In fact, no one could stop me from thinking whatever I wanted. Grace was still practicing handstands as her mum came out the back door and asked us if we wanted a snack and then asked us what we'd been doing all afternoon. I smiled sweetly and thought in my head, you have no fucking idea, and walked the walk of liberation into Grace's
1: kitchen. Well, fuck me. (laughs) (laughs) I think, you know how like two-year-olds go through a a phase of like saying like um, poo this, poo that? I think 10 is the fuck phase. (laughs) The fuck phase? Do you want to rephrase that? (laughs) It must be. It must be. Because I feel like uh, I went through the exact same phase of doing that phrase, but I forgot how exciting it was.
0: Oh, it was, yeah, like totally exhilarating. All of a sudden, I just felt like, I think it was a real rite of passage as well. So like I felt like suddenly... I had like bumped up in years and like I felt like I was a teenager before I was or something and I suddenly felt like yeah I had this new like tool in my kit of I don't know what it was yet just like something in my arsenal to kind of express myself I guess yeah Yeah.
1: it's funny to think that certain words were ever forbidden to us because like while we have to monitor what we say in social circumstances and whatnot and there there are certain taboos we still amongst friends or you know with partners or whatnot can say whatever we like the Mm -hmm. idea of censorship is really strange (laughs)
0: Yeah, and I think that moment, that day for me, it made me realise that censorship was something that was like an external um, pressure on society or people in certain situations, but really, like, no one can censor what you think And and that. So I guess, you know, while our theme was powerful and, you know, on the surface it's like, oh, yeah, the power of being able to swear, but really, I think the real power was the power that I could Think whatever I wanted. Agency. And, yeah, yeah, the agency of being able to think what I wanted and no one could control my thoughts. Which, yeah. you know, so it was actually a lot more than just like, oh my God, fuck is such a cool word. Yeah, yeah. You know, the real, um, yeah, the real learning there was that I can think whatever I want and no one has power or control over my thoughts, which you know, is a great thing and let's just pray that in the future no one will ever
1: have control over our thoughts. Totally. Well, that's why I'm a really big fan of profanity for that reason because I think that um, it's really powerful because, you know, it basically means that we can say what we want, you know, and there's something, um, you know, in the breaking of that taboo and, you know, there's something really Exhilarating about that, and um, it is powerful. So, and I'm so against censorship. But you know, it's bizarre because all of childhood, just what you were saying throughout that story, I kept thinking, yeah, you are so controlled. You know, Um, you're so policed by your parents. You're so policed by school, Um, especially if you go to like a school where you are policed, literally (laughs) policed. Yeah, Yeah. Um, to to have you know to have uh, that those words as a form of freedom. you know, it's it's a it is greater than just the the joy of swearing. It's about, you know, taking control of your your destiny. Yeah. With the power of using the word fuck. Yeah. And with the word like with books and stuff like that, I was just thinking about that as you were speaking um, you know, getting books like Stephen King's books and stuff like that and then um, finding, like, swear words and that and kids being like, oh, my God, there's a swear word in this book. Have you seen it? You know, and it's like how cool that was. <laughs> Suddenly
0: at the school library that book is, like, out all yeah, the time. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And, um, and, you know, and then obviously then the sexual um mm. component to it too, which isn't even thought about. It's just like there's the naughty word yep. and then there's the sexual component to it too. That
0: was too much for me to deal with though. I think yeah. that on that day I was like, i kind enough. of, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I can't think about that aspect as well. It's, you know, my 10-year-old mime will just like implode. Yeah. And what about, did you let it slip at home after that? Oh, God, no. Yeah. No way. Like, I think that only started to happen maybe even in my 20s. Like, I never swore in front of my parents. Like, my mum would have been totally appalled yeah. and, and kind kind of viewed it with a lot more um uh like that it was way more extreme than yeah. it actually is like it's a it's a signifier of you know my child has gone off the rails yeah. and is going to become some kind of juvenile delinquent, delinquent. this is yeah. just the first step yeah. so i was very careful not to swear in front of my parents i think only um when i became an adult did occasionally i let it slip if i was actually quite angry, but, yeah. oh, I mean, you know, when the time was right, and I think I described that really well in that piece of writing, you yeah. know, I learnt really quickly, I was like, this cannot be abused. Like, yeah. can't, I can't do this all the time. Yeah. Like, I can't become this little potty mouth um, yeah. swearing child, but I can use this when the time is right, like in my social circles, yeah. um, with kids my own age, and, yeah, I think I really quickly worked out where I where and how I was going to use,
1: yeah, yes, this word, and it's generational, too, because like you think about um stuff like, you know, I give no fucks or zero fucks and stuff. And like with that, I think that language has really crossed over into mainstream language and has become a lot less forbidden um, because culturally, you know, in the 80s and 90s, um, it definitely was something that, you know, was prohibited language. Um, but I, again, I'm coming from a totally different um, cultural perspective because Irish people swear like nobody's business. So, and I remember my cousin saying fuck when he was two. So, I mean, not that it was like actively encouraged, but it is part of the yeah, dialect. Yeah. So, um, and my partner was horrified when he heard me speaking to my mum probably months ago, and the way that the language that I use when I was talking to her, and it casually, um, he was like, I've never sworn in front of my mum. And I'm like, oh, really? You know? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, Cultural context. Yeah, yeah. But then again, you know, um, my band name, my mum, is really horrified because of the C word um, being used in it. But I do use that for maximum shock value. Um, value. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, there's a purpose in that yeah. because I want to confront people with – that word yeah um so yeah interesting yeah yeah (laughs) all righty time for your piece mine is called revenge is a dish as the younger sibling and a girl i always believed that power rested in the hands of my older brother He was allegedly superior in intellect, life experience and physical strength. He got to dry while I washed, to vacuum while I swept. He got the better seat in the car, the plane, more Domino's pizza, more freedom, and he got to dole out the hard life lessons. In fact, he had only just swindled me out of a good portion of my 10th birthday money and other money I'd squirreled away like a little mini miser. When I confronted him about the unpaid loan, he was reasonable. His expenses were far more justifiable. What did I need all that cash for? What was I going to spend it on, like dolls? He spent it on really cool and important stuff like cigarettes and tapes and punk rock badges and hair gel and cider, a leather cap and a switchblade that was actually a comb. While I fumed at the injustice, I began to cultivate a plan. At age 10, I had read a lot of Edgar Allan Poe. And while I swooned over his Baroque phrasings and Mooney Gothic love stories, my favourite story of his was The Cask of Amontillado, a simple story about a seemingly abstract and intensely cruel revenge plot involving live burial. Better yet, it was a tale of revenge served cold. Poe was the king of payback. At age 14, my brother was a smoker, like he was actually already addicted to Marlboro Reds, maybe a pack a day the kind that blew out plumes of blue smoke, thick and French poetic. I realised at that point I had leverage. He had an addiction and I had pocket money and a pretty messed up imagination. It was around this time he began to ask me for money, perhaps not knowing my new stash place. I said no outright, then he began to beg rather pitifully. I waited until my friends were around, just for maximum humiliation, and then I said that he could have a loan. Actually, he could just have the money, but only if he wore my aqua blue bathers and danced in front of us. He donned the aqua suit, which was about four sizes too small, and danced to Janet Jackson in front of a row of hysterical preteen girls. This show continued from time to time, and occasionally he'd be asked to do physical feats during the dance performances such as push-ups and dares that involved public humiliation, often involving dance and spontaneous song. And then I would go back into his room and take back all the money. At this time, I realized I could use my perceived powerlessness, my meekness, my presumed inferior intellect and extract my revenge. And revenge was an intoxicating and powerful brew. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I really had to um to hold back from laughing the whole time I can't believe how many layers to your revenge (laughs) there were um you know not just getting him to dress up in an aquamarine bathing suit and dance to Janet Jackson who had some tunes so totally good just saying yeah um but then you know after the humiliation that he had to go through to like Earn this cash to feed his addiction. You just went and stole the money out of his room. Yeah,
1: it was it was really brutal. Um, because I knew where he was hiding it, but I I play I guess what I'm saying I played dumb, you know. So I was like, and I like I mean I was on the on the surface doing like oh you know making him dance and stuff, and he was like oh god okay well I guess I've got to do this. But, yeah, then I was kind of then evening the score because I really wanted that birthday money back. And I was like, he never resolved it. So, um, and, you know, also, like, I learned previously from him, like, we had this thing and sibling competition with food. Um, so, like, if we would get a delicious treat, like a chocolate bar or something really nice, like a can of Coke or something like that, um. I <laughs> it would be like, oh, have you finished yours? And then I'm going to enjoy it in front of you. So I would pretend to finish mine and then watch him do that. And then I'd be like, do this kind of like, oh, I'm so jealous. Like, I'm so upset that I don't have my treat. And then I would go into the fridge and retrieve it. So I was developing master plans. Mm. Yeah.
0: That's what I really noticed about your piece. Like when I sort of compare it to <laughs> mine is that the way that you achieved you know, a feeling of power was through, like, complex planning and strategy, (laughs) (laughs) Um, which is really interesting, you know, because I think, I guess for your situation, because you had a brother and I was an only child, like, so I think your childhood would have been quite different in the sense that you're constantly, like, having to kind of strategize and plan and, you know, work out how... To best survive in yeah. that, in yeah, that it situation, is. it is. It's yeah. like Animal
1: Kingdom. You do. yeah. <laughs> but also to survive, but to be the king of the jungle, like you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and because you, and also like, which I think is probably reinforcing a negative lesson for women. But like, I had to be like, I'm just a dumb little girl. And um mm. I you know, and also like I mean I'm a crime writer, so I'm pretty fucked up and I like <laughs> just I we, we just, were learning so casual <laughs> We were learning about the odds of March um in school and when I was ten I wrote uh I type wrote a message and I wrote Beware the um Ides of March, E2 every day, and I put it into my brother's room like and I don't I mean for fuck's sake like who did he think it was going to be like I mean it was just yeah. there were like three people in the house Yeah. <laughs> but I scared the crap out of him he never mentioned it to me mm. and it was like three or four months later he was like well, this is really weird No I think he was probably smoking a lot of dope and he was probably a bit paranoid and I was like oh really what did it say and it's like <laughs> like some Julius Caesar shit that sounds so yeah. weird
0: <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Just backtracking on how you said, um, you know, maybe this isn't like a great lesson for women, like trying, you know, having to use like your vulnerabilities as a tool to manipulate. I mean, yeah, totally see what you're saying there. But also I think in a, in you know, another way to view that is that, and this, you know, not to totally go into a tangent, yeah. but, you know, women are forced to use um, whatever is yeah. in their yeah. arsenal. Yeah, that's and, right. And, you know, I think in the situation with your brother, when he was older and he had, like, physical strength. Yeah, that's and, like, right. you know, he was more, like, aware of how the world works. It's yeah. like, you know, you just had to use what was at your disposal. Yeah. And what was at your disposal was, I will, you know... I will utilize how I'm perceived as a way to manipulate and
1: yeah. I think it's really the thing that I I think that troubles me more about it is and you know I'm pretty sure I've written about this before. Um, was you know being a nice girl, um, and not someone who like goes in and is like, hey, I'm a fucking ballbuster. You know, I get what I want and I do this mm. and um, I you know I think. Because I probably learned quite young that um you know not to um you know freak men out um by by showing showing that so don't show your hand kind of thing mm. so I always kind of use my kind of nice nice little girl sort of thing um in a way to kind of like yeah to get my way which I think mm. is actually a little bit mm, disingenuous but I I yeah, notice, yeah I,
0: th- I I. I know what you mean, and I
1: think
0: most people, men and women included, would prefer not to use those types of tactics. Yeah. But some I mean, he was stealing your birthday money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 There was a reason.
1: Yeah, it's it's a good reason. It's funny because I think of like men that have been in power positions over me in the past, like bosses or stepfathers. And um, you know, they have this idea that they're superior. And like, I'm, you know, this isn't without any conceit, but I was a, a pretty, pretty intelligent child and I was like, I can't show how bright I am because um you know, it's going to threaten them. So in a way, it's sort of like, I, I hate the idea of playing dumb or dumbing down your intellect or something like that. Um, but it wasn't, I wasn't rewarded for it. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. I think I learned to kind of be like, oh, really? Is that what you think? That's so interesting. Like, you're so smart. Uh, and then just kind of to, to kind of like that's the way to get along because otherwise I'm going to get actively subverted if yeah. I don't do and that. And
0: again, that's just like a survival thing. Totally. You know? Totally. Yeah. Surviving in a patriarchal
1: society. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So I think like, um, you know, for me, that weird feeling of power of was like winning, you mm. know, like I'm winning, I'm beating you. Um, yeah, you know? um, and it's also like I think also all children are a bit sadistic, and that's been proven. You know, it's it's yeah. a, it's it's how we we learn and we learn. It is. You know, yeah, it's
0: part of yeah, yeah the growing up process for yeah.
1: sure. Yeah, yeah, and 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 part of that is um is, you know, and one wh- one of the things I thought a lot about when we were writing, I was like power, and um, and I sort of was thinking first, I sort of thought adolescence, like you know when you realize that you've got power over men, and it's kind of like you know, owning a Ferrari, but not knowing how to drive it, you know. <laughs> um, but it goes, it's more interesting in a way to go into this preteen um, stage, I think, because that's really formative. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: That's where all like your values are forming and your experiences. Yeah. They're formative.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting that we both and didn't consult, chose that age. Ten. It's pretty weird. Yeah, it is.
0: I gotta say, this has been, I think, one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, listeners, for um, joining us on um, episode six. Uh, It's so great that you've come along this far and are still listening. Um, But yeah, please tell your friends about the podcast. Um, We want it to get out there to people. Um, You can download it from Apple Podcasts, and you can also follow us on at First Time Feels on Instagram. And, um, yeah, we can't wait for you to join us again.
1: See you later.